0: Hi, and welcome to the Austin Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm Ward Wilsey, and right next to me is my wife, Katie, a licensed Texas real estate agent.
1: Austin, Texas is one of the hottest real estate markets in the country, and not just for home buyers.
0: Real estate investors from all across the country are finding great investment properties too.
1: We're avid real estate investors, and we're here to talk to you about our portfolio and the ups and downs of investing in Austin real estate.
0: We'll also talk about how you can take advantage of the Austin market and develop your own passive income real estate portfolio, no matter where you live.
1: So sit back and relax, take some notes, because here comes another episode of the, the Austin, Austin Real, real estate, estate Investor, Investor Podcast. Podcast.
0: Oh, That's super lame. <laughs> All right, we are live. And Hi. We it's it's been a little while. It's been
1: we took a break.
0: Take a break. But not, not really not, not
1: intentionally.
0: intentionally. Just
1: we life
0: too lazy. No, we no too busy. Too busy. We've no, been crazy busy. busy. People yeah. say that busy are full of it. I know. We just
1: yeah. I, I've Our, gotten
0: through three seasons of Narcos in the last in the last four weeks. Although I just watch that at night and fall asleep after the first like five <laughs> minutes. Okay, I'm not watching that. Narcos is is probably the best series that Netflix has going right now. Okay, maybe I should watch and it. And it helps me brush up on my Spanish. <laughs> okay. All right, what are we going to talk about?
1: Um. Let's see. We could talk a l- little bit about what we did today. That's always kind of a good intro. You want me um, to- What did we do today, Ward?
0: I reviewed a lot of contracts, finished closing... Oh, you mean most we a house. importantly, <laughs> we, a we house. closed
1: on another investment property.
0: Yes, uh, this one is not in Kyle; it's in Buda. Yep. So Buda, if you're not from Texas, looks like Buda. It's B-U-D-A. Yeah, but it's pronounced Buda. I have no idea about yeah. the history. I say
1: I always say act like there's a W in there, Buda.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, um, it's a, it's a cool town. They have, you know, a nice, well, this is tad
1: closer to Austin, right? So it probably puts you five or 10 minutes closer than Kyle, depending yes. on where you are.
0: And you, you from, from Buta, I mean, you're talking, that's 30 minute commute. I mean, yeah,
1: I just drove from Buta to the airport and that was 35 minutes.
0: And again, for those who don't live in Texas, like, if it's under 30 minutes, that's a really, really good commute.
1: Yeah, I would say so. I agree with that. So, yeah, this one is a three-bedroom, two-bath, about 1,300 square feet. Yep. Pretty turnkey. Yep. uh, Refrigerator. We got it to convey. All it needs is a fresh coat of paint in the main living space and a few little handyman things. So pretty easy property
0: so we're going
1: hopefully really easy transaction
0: hopefully we're uh we're going this weekend i'm going to mow the lawn and you, you're not
1: mowing you're weeding the lawn yeah. or you're mowing weeds there's well, no lawn welcome well, to
0: texas yeah so in texas like the the challenge in this time of year is because it's Bermuda grass, it goes dormant in the winter. But when it comes back, your weeds just go crazy. And they obviously... This house was vacant. So right. I, don't, I don't remember it being that bad when we looked at it. So they obviously just quit.
1: Well, like, and we've gotten some rain in the last month where we hadn't yeah. had any rain for two months. So, so, so you're, the weeds are going crazy so now. So weeds
0: go crazy. So what I'll do is not only am I going to mow, but I'm also going to bring out... You use this... Weed and feed stuff. Great.
1: Okay, now we just lost all of our listeners. No,
0: that's no, that's not boring. Stuff.
1: Okay, it's homeowner stuff, I guess. Yeah,
0: you got to weed and feed, and then I'm going to mow the grass. Well, you weed Texas. and feed. You weed and feed once, and you're you're done.
1: Okay, you have a term for it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Speaking of that, I'm going to bring out one of our boys and make make them do it. Okay, that's why we have them.
1: So, yeah, we closed on this one. It was listed, I think, at 206. We got it for 196.
0: I was, yeah. So, we we'll yeah. ran out for 1550 to 1600.
1: 1600 is what we're going to list it at. Uh, it's a tad below the comps, uh, and that's intentional. We just want to get someone in there.
0: So um yeah well, one of the things I learned is like we've learned is especially like when you first get a rental it's okay to be 50 dollars under market it's better just to get someone in there get it get it rented so you don't have to worry about it you you and can always just,
1: for, And really the reason why you say that is just for peace of mind right? right like it's a little bit stressful carrying the mortgage and not having a renter in there like you it feels like you're going to throw away money the longest we've ever gone without a renter thankfully is about forty days. So we right. we probably paid one mortgage at the same time that we were getting the renter. Right. So in this case we're trying to beat that and have the renter move in the month before our mortgage is due. So we 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 make a little money that in that sense. Right. Um so yeah, we closed on that. That that was a seamless transaction and hopefully it continues to go well. We've um shifted gears a little bit in our plan on continuously purchasing investment properties. Yeah. We're
0: going to pay, pay down our, our loans a little bit for the rest of the year and maybe do one, one new property a year.
1: Yeah. So for right now we both feel like if we can get these three properties free and clear, how nice will that be? And then we can pick up three brand new mortgages and do the same thing over and over again. Um, so that is we shifted gears a little bit on that we were tabling the vrbo idea for a little bit for those of you that listen to that podcast yeah still think it's a good idea I, we're just i think because it's a little bit far for us and we don't have any boots on the ground there we don't have any people that we can like lean on can you check on our place or anything it it's it feels a little bit more work than we're ready to tackle right and
0: now. And then the other challenge is like a VRBO, we're going to want to use a little as well. And, you know, I mean, Rudoso being so far away and everywhere for us being so far away. I think, yeah. we're, just, I think we're just a couple of years away from that being from the right fit for us. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's where that is. Um, working on trying to get... Some um, investor clients of mine under contract on some houses today. I was busy doing that all day. And then um, you know how we talked about and maybe we talked about it even on one of the episodes uh, kind of farming a neighborhood and trying to get clients from saying like do you want to sell your house? Come straight to me. Let's cut out one of the agents. Yep. You know you've always been a big fan of that. So I I joined the Facebook community group of one of the neighborhoods that we've been looking at for that just to get a feel. Like, what if someone asks about real estate prices or something? I should be on that page. I own a property in that neighborhood. Oh, my gosh. The very first, like, four posts on there were... Are any of you guys sick and tired of realtors sending flyers? I have people knocking on my door. I have people calling me. I get a different flyer every single day, trying to get me to sell my home.
0: Well, I think it's different if you just reach out direct to them. And oh, and if if we were to say, "I want to buy your house," but you're saying like
1: it doesn't matter. They're getting they're they're saying it's coming from wholesalers. It's coming from investors. It's coming from Keller Williams. Blah blah blah. You name it. They're getting attacked. Well,
0: that's, that's – uh, this is going to go off on a tangent, but that's part of why I think we want to pay down our properties a little is because the market's not overheated, but it's it just feels like a good time. There's not many, as many deals like steals out there
1: steals yeah it's turning There's into a deals. seller's like, market the, the, like the one we just there bought are.
0: is fine like it it'll, yes. be, it'll be a good return like
1: but it's shifting into a seller's market so yeah. you're gonna see prices you're gonna be paying a tad more it, and while it's still a good deal overall it, you're overpaying a tad right if now. this
0: was if this was like even four or five years ago we wouldn't be doing this we'd be buying more just because the prices compared to the rents are were, were cheap they're still good like it's we're not like, like you remember, like when we lived in California, like around t- 2004, 2005, where you, people would buy an investment property and their rent covered like half their mortgage. Like yep. that's just silly. Right. So the rents cover the mortgage. We right. make a profit that it, it's great. And you get a return on your investment, but you know, we just feel like it, it's just a good time to, 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 to pay down a little.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah so not going to farm that neighborhood, okay. <laughs> but I did. I haven't even told you this yet. I did send out mailers to two neighboring neighborhoods today oh. um so I um just two nearby neighborhoods said that I live nearby, like blah blah blah, you know here I am, introduce myself to them, and I think I'll continue. It's two neighborhoods that I would like to. Continue to work in and um, has a similar feel to the neighborhood that I'm in. My neighborhood that I live in, we have about...
0: You mean you sent out of two neighborhoods around here where we uh-huh. live? Oh,
1: good. Yeah. Um, so not investment properties. This okay. would be listings. Listings, yeah. Yep. So anyhow, that was so very full day today for me. Um, and that's it. I mean, we talk a lot about diversifying, so... One thing that I don't know shit about, that you know a little bit about... Excuse my language.
0: I don't... We don't have the bleep out. <laughs> Sorry. I, I don't know the software. I don't know well that we have to a ton of that. kids
1: listening to this podcast. But, oh, okay. Um, the stock market. Like, what the heck is it doing right now? Is it good? Is it bad? I think it's good. Is it going to tank here soon because we're in an election year? Like, what's going on? Are people freaking out yet?
0: You know what? And this is... I. So, in case someone's just listening for the first time, before I took my current job as a CFO, I was a wealth advisor for a private bank for ten almost ten years, and I will make it have a big confession. And this is why, like we've been so successful investing in stocks. The answer is I don't know, and I never really check. And that sounds like a flippant answer, because no, because means like you're in it for the long haul. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. So, like, when you turn on, like, I could turn on MSNBC right now, and but isn't there like a bad time to buy in? No, really. There's. It, l- let's put it this way. Like, so the the market's really good right now, meaning like stock market is close to its all time highs. Historically speaking, consumer confidence. It's still, you know, if you look at any given day, it's up, it's down, but just relative to historic highs, we're up there. We're up there, and so this
1: would not be the best time. Like if you if you had to say when a great right,
0: but 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 you never want to say that because, and I'll bring it back home in a a minute because we're not putting a lot of money, new money in the stock market right now. So I'll explain, but. If you were to sit there and say, like, well, should I be putting money in my 401k? The answer is yes. Every paycheck, you should be putting money in your 401k. Well, I see
1: that different as the stock market.
0: That is the stock market. No, inv- like, investing- your retirement
1: is... That's, yeah. like, a different pocket for
0: me. Yeah, but you're investing in the stock market. Sure. You're not, if you're investing, you're investing in your 401k in your or if you're taking cash like we are and investing in, a you know, a, 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 a stock portfolio account, it's the same stock market. There's no difference. It's, okay, yes, it's close to its all-time highs. Should you still invest? Yes. But that, there's a big difference between investing a little bit of every part of your paycheck in in the stock market and taking, say, a million dollars and throwing it into the stock market. If you just had a million dollars fall into your lap today, would this be the best time to put all of it in the stock market? Maybe not because it's... Okay. Okay, but if you're earning a salary or you're, like us, earning rental income, should we be putting a portion of that into the stock market? Yeah. It's because, here's what happens is... And
1: maybe it's kind of, I'm going to stop you real quick, maybe it's the same kind of as like, people are like, oh, well, surely Austin can't keep going up. Exact same thing. But it is. Exact same thing. So you're kind of silly, like, yeah, you didn't get in five years ago, that would have been better, but... You
0: can still jump in,
1: and it's still right. at it why it's going up.
0: Look, if you're whether you're talking about real estate, stocks, any type of investment, it has a long term historical average that it's likely going to default towards. So Austin real estate probably going to grow about six percent, and then depending on your income yield, that should add another five, six, maybe seven percent. So you should be in that 11 to 13% range over time. Okay. If you're investing in the S&P 500, it should be about 10% over time. It could be a little more a little less over any given period, but it should be right around there. So if you're investing in all-time highs today, say it drops tomorrow. Say, like, say, say this was 2007 and you invested at all-time highs, and the next year it, the S&P 500 dropped 50%. Well, guess what? Now, 13 years later, it's way up from where it was in 2007. So you can't sit there and look at any investment, including the stock market, and go, "Well, you know, it's at all time highs. I'm worried about losing my money." As long as you don't sell, right. you don't lose your money. That when people say I lost everything in the <laughs> stock market, what they mean is, number one, they mean I invested in a single stock, like I bought. And it's usually some random right. little Apple stock. Or what, who no, else? it's usually like not even Apple. It's like I bought, uh, I'm trying to think of that, remember that movie. Remember that movie? <laughs> Let's not go there. That, that's something we invested <laughs> in that may, have, may or may have not have lost a lot of money.
1: Some people made a lot of money too.
0: <clears throat> but I'm trying to think of that Remember that movie Boiler Room? Yeah, Where, uh, sure. they were they were pumping in those stocks up, those penny stocks, and then dumping them. That's what most people mean when they when they say, I lost all my money in the stock market, is they bought a single stock, yeah. it dropped significantly, and then they sold out.
1: Like a startup or something? It's totally.
0: Okay. When I say invest in the stock market, what I mean is invest in... S&P 500? In, yeah, an in index fund. Like the S&P 500. So the S&P 500 is, the fi- generally speaking, the 500 largest companies in America that are publicly traded companies. And is that constantly moving? They change for the it, – it, it, yes, there, there's some that go in and out of that. But generally speaking, an S&P 500 index fund, they try and have at any given time the top 500 companies in America represented in that fund by their market cap, which means how big they are. So like right now, the largest companies are say your Apples, your Googles. They're higher represented than – Smaller companies, but it's the top 500 companies. So if you did nothing, but you bought an S&P index, S&P 500 index fund, whether it's at Vanguard, Fidelity, BlackRock, wherever you want to do it, I don't care, iShares, wherever, (laughs) and you just sat and held it, and you bought $1,000 worth today, in about 20 years, it should be 10% higher. And, And that's just, that is what it is. So if you invest paycheck after paycheck after paycheck after paycheck, when it goes up, your portfolio goes up. When it goes down, you get to buy on a discount. And that's a, that the, the fancy term for that is dollar cost averaging, meaning you just buy a set amount over each period. And each you set period, that up
1: and you don't have to think about set it.
0: Set it and forget it. And you can do that. Your 401k is easy. You can go to your HR director and do that. But... You can do whether it's Vanguard or Fidelity or whoever. They all have like automatic withdrawal where you send five hundred bucks or you send a hundred bucks or a thousand right. bucks, whatever, every month, and it automatically invests. What's for the you?
1: minimum you could buy? Do you know how much does S and P five hundred costs?
0: Well, so so how does that work? So the S and P five hundred. You buy
1: one share of the S and P five hundred. So it's
0: a little different. With an index fund, okay. you should think of it in terms of 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 like dollar amounts that you're investing. Like what is the minimum dollar amount you could invest? So different places have different minimums, but just, and don't quote me, but generally speaking, you could start with as probably less than this, but as little as say a thousand dollars to start. And then you can send money there every month. So you could send a hundred bucks and, and then it would automatically invest in the S and P 500. So someone who is into modern portfolio theory would say, you're wrong, Ward, because you know you should be investing not only in the S&P 500, but international.
1: Which we've done that before.
0: Yeah, we have. And, the, and we do that in our, our 401k. But my bigger point with that is if you know nothing about, about investing and you're starting from... And you don't
1: want to have to hire a financial advisor because you're and not in the position. Into,
0: yeah, and I'll go into when you should and shouldn't hire a financial advisor in a minute, but... If you know nothing about investing, and you're just and and you're just like I'm scared, I don't know what I want to do, but you're working and you're not retiring anytime soon. The the best thing is you can just go into an S and P five hundred index fund, and over a long period of time, as long as you keep investing and you don't sell, you will make a good return. It should be around ten percent. Could be a little more, could be a little less, but it should be around ten percent. Now, savvy investors diversify a bit. Now, an S and P 500 fund is diversified already because you're investing, like I said, in 500 of the largest U.S. companies. So you're diversified just with the S and P 500. But if you wanted to do, say, international, so international is the you know there's different index funds for that, but the largest companies outside of the U.S. You could do that. So you could say put 70% in the S&P 500, 30% in an, in, in an international fund. And you that would do great too because sometimes international stocks do better than the U.S.
1: Okay, so back up a little bit because my eyes are going to start glazing over here in a minute. Fair enough. So in a perfect world, you make $200,000 or whatever, $100,000. And you, and like, do you, can you envision like 20% should go towards real estate? 20% should go toward, you know, like, do you have a breakdown that you think would be appropriate? Like we waited a very long time to start real estate investment, but I don't know that that's the right way. Like I look at some of these like 22 year old guys that are getting a new salary and I'm thinking... God, if they buy a property now, how stoked yeah. are they in ten years?
0: Yeah, let me put it this way: if you have a four hundred one k at your office and they match,
1: right, you use that one hundred percent. Yeah,
0: because if you and a lot of it will do, that you match up to six percent. So right. if you put, if you made a hundred thousand, right, and you put six thousand in your four hundred one k, they match. Your it. company will give you six thousand dollars. Like right. there, there's no better return right. than that. Above and beyond that, you know, real estate, number one, from a tax perspective, you should – it's similar to 401k. 401k, the advantage of it is you get a tax deduction for the amount you put into it. Well, real estate, you should get about the same. And and that's just meaning, – meaning you should get a tax deduction of essentially what you put in to your, your real estate investments for the most part. That's not perfect, but – it's fairly balanced. Yeah. Meaning like with, with the accelerated depreciation rules and things like that, you should be able to, whatever you put into your real estate portfolio for the most part, get a deduction as long as you're, as long as you're leveraging a bit. Um, okay. So long-term return with the tax benefits. I, like I think, I think it's my, my bigger question to someone would be like, what do you feel comfortable with? Some people, they don't want to deal with real estate. They don't want to be a landlord. They don't want to deal with it. And it there, is a
1: little more work. I it assume. is a
0: little more work, but you're also accepting a little lower return. Like we're not going to make as much of a return in our in our stock portfolio as we will in our real estate, just especially tax That's right. adjusted. I was just we're just say, not
1: like more work, more return.
0: Yeah, I mean, we yeah. we it's not a, it's not going to be a double the return, but it's going to be. You know, we should be getting about fifteen to eighteen percent on a real estate portfolio, and just over time, like that's a big difference. Yeah,
1: yeah, I agree, and I, I do think that if you are in a situation, which I know majority are not, but if you are in a situation where you can get your license and have a good brokerage to hang your license with, and you can manage your own transactions, that, that's. That's been really helpful for us. Sure. I can write our offers at midnight if we want it, or I can do it. Like right. it's in our house, and then the commissions come back to us. Or we could use that as a negotiating tool right. if we need to in a certain situations. So, um, if that's an opportunity that you can, one of you guys can take on, then you should. Right? Yeah.
0: What right. Else? Should yeah. I answer the? Should you use a financial advisor?
1: Yeah. Short and sweet.
0: So for us, the answer is no, we do not use an outside financial advisor. Well, that's
1: easy to say. You are
0: yeah, but a state here, but here's, attorney but, and a financial advisor. Yeah, but that's not me. the reason why. Like the reason why is because we have just shown over and over that when the stock market goes down or you know things decline in value, we don't sell. If if you're the type of person who is if moving you, if you have a hundred thousand dollars in the stock market and the stock market quote-unquote, crashes, which usually means it goes down, like, 10 or 20%, and you sell and just go to cash, you need a financial advisor because you need to tell some someone to tell you not to do that. And a lot of people are like that. If you're willing to just invest in, you know, the S&P 500 and let it ride and it doesn't bother you when, you know, Jim Cramer, or whoever is saying the sky is falling, you don't need a financial advisor.
1: Okay, what about my question? I mean, do you think... What are your thoughts on an election year? Historically, like I know you're an econ guy. Yeah,
0: sometimes it goes up, sometimes it goes down. It wouldn't affect anything I'm doing in investing, right?
1: But it will affect many people. So I that's no, why it won't. I'm
0: like I'm telling, time. I'm telling them long term, it won't have any effect. It doesn't matter,
1: right? Long term, but what if someone's at their like ten year mark with real estate? They're getting ready to sell their properties, type of thing. Like don't sell. I'm just curious if you think that in an election year, can you answer the question? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't sell. That's my answer. No, that's not I, the question. No, here's like here's the question. Is, okay, okay, do you- okay. Sorry, our our thing went out for a second there, but we're back. So my answer is it 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 doesn't matter if it's an election year because your approach to investing should be buy stuff and hold it basically forever and keep saving money and keep investing. <laughs> okay. There's always something to invest in. So the fact that it's an election year has no bearing on on my recommendation. I, I wouldn't even look at it. Like, it doesn't matter if... I don't care if Bernie Sanders gets elected. I don't I'm care over if President it. Trump I'm gets it, elected.
1: You still haven't answered my question. But what was your funny. question? I uh, no. See, what should
0: people do in an election year?
1: No, that's what you think. That's what you think I said.
0: What'd you say?
1: <laughs> that's funny, Ward. This is all recorded too. Uh, I asked you what you think the market will do in an election year.
0: Oh, it'll probably go up or it'll go down. <laughs>
1: I hate you. Okay. Inside. It you got to see the inside of my marriage right there. <laughs> okay. Um, it doesn't matter. Did you guys get that? It does not matter. It does not just matter. Hang on to it. Hold on Don't tight. Sell. Watch everyone else panic and fret, good or bad, and you'll just celebrate the long run.
0: Yes. Okay. That's why. That's why you should be watching stuff like Narcos on Netflix instead of <laughs> MSNBC or I don't Fox News or whatever people watch. I'm not saying you.
1: Okay. You need the masses watching that. The masses. Okay.
0: Or or John Wayne movies. Those are good, too. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, I think we have exhausted tonight's podcast. What do you think?
0: Yes. I think We've had we're... A
1: Productive day, Productive day. Um, and we will not leave y'all hanging as long. We'll jump back into it as we go along our journey to millionairehood.
0: Hood. We should probably change the name of the podcast since we don't probably talk it's not about just Austin real, real Estate. No, we, we talk about everything all
1: over the place. Yeah. So, and we'll have to talk about it at some point here um, how it's everyone's a millionaire nowadays so that's tough too yeah um not everybody Mm. but anyhow okay (laughs) (laughs) actually not many people but no really there are um it's kind of like when you're a kid and you thought a salary of a hundred thousand dollars was like the answer to everything and
0: well a lot of people are like high negative millionaires because they just are so far in debt so it works both ways
1: that's right that's right okay so until next time my friends we're out of here see ya